0: Welcome to the First Ever Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. This week, I'm talking to Yvette Young. She's the brilliant guitarist for Covet and a multi-instrumentalist with a solo career. And on top of that, she's a visual artist as well. I first came across her music through our mutual friend and past guest of the podcast, Atipa Jefferson, and was so blown away, I just knew I had to have her on. She walks us through all her first experiences as a musician, including recording, touring, And you get to hear us gripe about the pains that come with performing at South by Southwest. (laughs) Um, I wanted to throw out a trigger warning to our listeners that she's very open about her time she spent in the hospital due to anorexia, which played a big role in her guitar playing. Um, I'm so appreciative of her being so open to talk on that. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. We get a very special treat at the end of the show. She plays us out. She plays the song Parachute by Covet on a new acoustic she was trying out. So it all worked out perfectly for everybody. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Thank you to Yvette for coming on the show. This is the first ever podcast. Enjoy. Yvette, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you this morning?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. Uh, you're in San Francisco, right?
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, about an hour away. I mean, uh, like. I guess the uh San Jose area?
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You're and you're like born and raised Bay Area, right?
1: Yeah, born and raised. Had a brief stint in LA for college and then moved moved back.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, I read you went to, to UCLA. How was that transition for you going from the Bay to LA for Were you here for a few years? I I take it? Yeah,
1: uh, I was really there for only about 3 years, something like that. Mm my parents were really strict they didn't want me living in LA alone too long so they're like oh you got to come home so and then I started touring so it kind of it kind of made sense for me to just just stay um in my home nest while I'm on the road all the time
0: yeah for sure what uh what part of LA were were you like near campus or is there like campus how I actually don't know this is there like is there like campus housing and stuff for UCLA
1: yeah, I spent a couple of years on campus, uh in campus housing. Had a had a few quirky roommates, and then um <laughs> I lived right on Frat Row, unfortunately. Okay. Um wh- uh, what's the name of the street? Hmm. It was started with a W. Uh I'm it's blanking not like on w- it. it was or like something, right around right? Westwood. Well, sure. There we oh, go. Okay.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Oh yeah, I'm sure that was a, that was a big difference going from from like home comfortable life to to living in in that sort of a situation. Did you enjoy it or was it was it uh, hard to adapt to?
1: You know, being an only child, I was definitely pretty spoiled, so I I didn't really enjoy having a roommate. I hope none of my old roommates are listening to this, but <laughs> uh yeah, it was I had I have some pr- crazy roommate stories. Like some of them I'm just thinking about what I lived with for a year and I'm just like amazed. Right. Um yeah, so there's that. And I wasn't really good at that. And then I lived with um this girl for a while in uh an apartment situation. But she was also kind of uh she was just really messy and kind of crazy.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I mean especially if it's situations where like you're you're positioned to live with somebody or something like that. Like you don't know the person. Like that's that's, uh, that's always a little bit of a, of a stressful situation. I, I totally understand. I'm, I'm going to be curious once we get a, l- a little further, once we start talking about touring, um, how, uh, how that felt for you going, because, because yeah, it's like when you're got that only child sort of vibe and like you're used to your comfortable space. And then now all of a sudden you're having to share it with a lot of people. Uh, that's also could be a little bit, a little bit <laughs> of a struggle at first for sure. Yeah, um, it's
1: like it's all kinds of factors. It's like just getting used to not having privacy and then like cultural mm-hmm. differences as well. It's just a whole um melee of different things.
0: Yeah, melee is a is a great word to use <laughs> to describe it. Um so but I'm curious. So uh I you know, I've I've I read some interviews and I watched some interviews and things like that, and um I know that. Uh, Classical music was like a big part of your upbringing, but I was curious what your first experience connecting with music that felt like it was yours was. What that could have been.
1: I mean, I, at the time, I remember when I was, even when I was playing classical music, I, played a lot of baroque stuff and then one day i was like wait i want to try to write my own baroque piece so i i like took out sheet music and i notated it myself i think i was only like 14 or 13 or something i was really young but i was like oh i made my own baroque piece completely ignorant to the rules of like composing baroque music um there's that i guess uh i heard some rock music once on it. Like, I, I guess I remember distinctly one time on a plane, I discovered, uh, um, bands like, I guess there's a lot of punk, like the living end. And then there was, a a channel and I, I found, um, per- permission to land by the darkness. And, that really blew my mind. I was like, whoa, oh, wow. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> Going from like classical yeah. music to the darkness is like such a crazy jump. But something about the music was so fun. And I like the messages behind it. And even like the visuals, I remember watching their um videos on VH1 back in the day. Uh and mm-hmm. I uh yeah, I was fascinated. I was like, what is this man doing on this like fuzzy spaceship like his his shirt is (laughs) his you know balls are nearly out like the the the, the v-neck is so low it's like crazy so I remember watching that as a kid and then every time my like grandparents came back in the room I would just turn the tv off like because I knew that wasn't allowed to watch (laughs) stuff like that
0: so (laughs) sure I mean it's funny that that's something that that's like a band that you were you know uh mesmerized by or something like that considering like also how incredibly proficient that band is at their instruments, you know, it's like they were like a total shred band. I, I remember when they first came out, it was just like, that was kind of the appeal that it was sort of the, the throwback to that era of like total, you know, uh, performative rock music. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's fascinating that that was like the first thing that you were like, oh man, this is, this feels different. It's like exciting. Um, did you ever like try to buy their CD or anything like that?
1: Oh, I definitely own their CD, but I bought it admittedly as a, uh, when I got older, I just found them in a record store one day. I was like, all right, this was definitely part of my formative years. So I'm just going to yeah. buy it. I know all the lyrics, sing along. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you ever get to see them play or anything like that?
1: Oh, oh yeah. I saw them, I think it was, uh, which it was in San Francisco. I forgot the name of the venue. It was one of the bigger ones, but Justin still got it they're they're all dressed still in crazy get-ups and his voice is insane (laughs) it was really fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's all was it like at the Regency ballroom some like a place like that or was it like bigger
1: I think it was Regency actually
0: okay yeah so yeah you so you started playing piano at at like age four and then so was how close was piano and violin because I know you play violin as well
1: yeah um so I had a really rough stint with piano at first Like, I enjoyed playing it, but I think just the classical world was a bit, um, the competitive nature of the classical world was a bit too much pressure for me. So, um, and also just having to audition for orchestra and balance all of that on top of going to school and not a lot of time to be a kid. So I think I got really burnt out and sick from it. But um, I definitely appreciate my classical upbringing now, in retrospect, now that I'm out of you know, being sick from all the pressure um, because I feel like it really does inform my guitar playing. And um, I definitely feel like I had a jump start learning the guitar because it's like learning a language. Like once you know how to speak one, others kind of come a little more naturally. So yeah, I guess now I I fell back in love with piano and violin and I use those instruments all the time and like covet stuff and also my solo stuff.
0: It, this is an interesting question that I've I've never really thought about, but you know a lot of a lot of instruments feel like it's like riding a bike, you know, where where even if you've taken a lot of time off from it, you could still kind of hop back on. Is violin one of those instruments? Because that seems so difficult, it, just from an outside perspective, you know, like it is is it as easy to just hop right back to playing violin as it is guitar or piano?
1: So, I actually feel like. Uh... I'm actually surprised every time I pick up the violin, like I've gone years without playing and I'm like, all right, get ready for the cat, (laughs) dying cat noises. Right, right, right. And it's actually, it's actually quite all right. Like, uh, I feel like violin is one of those things where when you start out, um, you're going to sound like, like awful for a really long time. Like everyone around you, your neighbors, your people (laughs) in your household, like they're going to have to be really patient and, um once it clicks it just sticks with you i think it's like a muscle memory thing like muscle memory is is an amazing concept like sometimes i won't play something on piano for a long time and then i'll sit down and i'm like amazed that i can still remember what to do with my fingers so i think your body just kind of like kicks into autopilot and um yeah i find that violin sticks with me just like piano and guitar (laughs)
0: You know, it, It's funny is I had uh, the guy who plays drums in my band one time told me something that became very comforting to me because I don't know if you've ever dealt with this where, uh, you know, it's been a long time since you've played with your band or or just whatever it is. And maybe you're on this sp- something like, like, you know, you're on the spot in front of an audience or something like that. And you all of a sudden are like, oh, no, I don't know if I remember this. I don't know if I remember this. He once told me that, like, if you do something uh, enough times your brain sort of like creates a groove almost like a vinyl record where it's like there is that muscle memory like you just have to sort of turn your brain off and just let it happen and yeah um, it's just it's been really helpful that reminder it's like okay i know it's there i know it's there just (laughs) anxiety just chill for a second and it'll come it'll come um is, is that sort of what you're talking about
1: Yeah, 100%. I feel like sometimes just overthinking things is my worst enemy. Like even live sometimes I'll start to for some reason think about the song I'm playing and like what I'm doing and then I'll just forget how to play entirely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if I I were to just think about something completely mundane like what I want to eat later or something, my hands just do its thing and I can think about Thai food. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think people... I I even find trying to relearn stuff sometimes like I have to just turn off my brain and just close my like closing my eyes helps me remember how to play things it's kind of (laughs) weird
0: yeah that's that is it it's it's interesting how all these how our brains are programmed it's it's fascinating um I'm curious what uh when did you get your first guitar and uh what was your first guitar
1: um so, I had an acoustic first. it was a martin o m c one e I think that was a model um mm-hmm. I got it for christmas um and that was the guitar that i um ended up playing a lot when i was when I was sick and uh that's the the guitar that I first started writing songs on um and then uh, I had uh an ex that loaned me his Ibanez r g it had like a kill switch on it was pretty extra uh and I started learning electric guitar on that when I was I think in my early no mid no early 20s and yeah I I, when we broke up I gave that guitar back I didn't really want it (laughs) but um and then after that I at the time I didn't have money to buy an electric for myself so I traded a drum machine for this um SX Telly from a, uh, a pen pal that I had from Louisiana named Ethan Dillard, and wow. I still have that guitar right now, and it's a pretty great guitar. Like, it's an it's like ninety dollars in, um, in a store, but I feel like the neck actually feels pretty great. And he swapped out the pickups for some custom wound Bill Lawrence ones, and they sound awesome.
0: Oh wow! So wait, how, so were you like a like like in your late teens or early twenties when you actually started playing guitar?
1: Mm-hmm. I was probably around like eighteen, seventeen,
0: eighteen. Wow, that's it's it's always so fascinating when when people who are so obviously like proficient uh, start so much later. Um, I interviewed uh, this this kid who goes by Scary Pool Party. Um, oh, he's awesome, Alejandro. Yeah, yeah. I, I had him on the show early on and, and he, you know, is a total shredder like yourself and like same thing, like learned it, you know, much later on. It sounds like you two actually have a lot in common because he also was piano player and all that sort of stuff. And then it just- Oh, he
1: shreds on the keys. I look at yeah. his keys and I'm like, what on earth? Like you're just not <laughs> human. Now he's an amazing person.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, what was uh? At what point did you decide to start a band? Like, what was the first band that you did? Is it the one you're currently still in?
1: Oh no, I had this band in L.A. called uh, Astrochasm. We came up with the name like in such a funny way. We just wrote a bunch of like woke words on like post-it notes, <laughs> and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just put Brent, we just selected two and we're like, I guess we're called Astrogasm. Um, and it was already kind of like the, the noodley math rock tap stuff that some of my older stuff sounds like. Um, so yeah, I guess my first band was like a quote unquote math rock band. Um, it was with my drummer, uh, Cameron and another guitarist, Jordan. And we briefly had a bass player named Daniel.
0: Okay. And did you play around L.A. much? We
1: played one show in Bakersfield at a place called Jerry's Jerry's Pizza, I think.
0: Yeah, the basement. Oh, my God.
1: Yep (laughs) it was it was my first show with a band. And I at the time, okay, like things I wish people in bands would have told me is what you sound like at a venue is not going to sound be what you sound like in your garage space. And I had no concept of like acoustics or just like even how different amps can sound in different um, rooms and climates. But yeah, I was in for a rude awakening when I plugged in and I couldn't really hear myself at all. And I, you know, like I didn't know about really monitoring or anything. So I just played an awful sound.
0: Right. Well, I mean, also, I, even if you did know about monitors and things like that, no disrespect to our friends at Jerry's Pizza, but I'm not quite <laughs> sure that that would have uh, helped all, all that much. Uh, <laughs> but but th- I mean, that's that's pretty cred that your first show was at Jerry's Pizza. That place was like um, kind of like a beacon for like a lot of uh, like I don't even like very underground like punk hardcore. Like, that was always, like, a a landmark spot to see bands play. Like, there was that place, and there was also a place called Munoz Gym in Bakersfield where bands would play literally in, like, a boxing or wrestling rink, which was wow. crazy as well. But, uh, but, yeah, that was, like, just one of those staple spots that... um I don't think happens anymore I can't imagine it's still doing shows again sorry to Bakersfield if if I'm totally wrong and you're still doing shows <laughs> there but I actually once saw I drove out uh because they were in town I went and saw, I saw Cirque Sur- Survive playing at Jerry's Pizza uh whoa in like <coughs> fucking probably like 2008 nine something like I forget what it was um how did you end up playing it at, at Jerry's Pizza like what brought you out there do you remember
1: I think I was friends with a bunch of <clears throat> other bands at the time just because I was already, like, doing art for other bands, uh, visual art, stuff like album art design. And then I, I just had, like, a lot of online friendships with people. So, you know, I feel like the best ways to get shows when you're DIY is just to, like, hit up some f- Facebook group or, like, hit up your friends on Facebook and try to put something together. So I think that's totally. how I got offered it. Um, and I remember at the time I got – I actually had um, – I don't know if it was pneumonia, but it definitely felt like pneumonia because I had a cough for like six months. So I actually um, had a cough so bad that I cracked a rib. I don't know if anyone else oh has goodness. ever had that. But I, at the time, I could barely stand and I was like coughing. So I just <laughs> played the first show with like an awful cough. And then, um, yeah, it was just – it was. I remember being kind of a dramatic show at the time because yeah. also I think someone I didn't want to see showed up and then they were like – following me the entire night it was it was just yeah teenage problems
0: (laughs) yeah that does not sound fun that does not sound like a fun (laughs) first experience playing a show (laughs) yeah um but you got through it
1: bummed out because uh you know like i just it doesn't you i rehearsed so hard and it just didn't sound like anything that i had rehearsed so
0: (laughs) right did you sing in that band or was were you just playing guitar
1: i had a few songs where i sang um but yeah, I think I just never really liked singing, <laughs> because I stopped doing
0: it. <laughs> got it, got it. I mean, with uh, I mean, I know you have so you do solo material, and then um, obviously you do what what Covet does, which is, is it safe to say that that like ninety eight percent of what Covet does is instrumental?
1: Yeah, definitely. My my whole rule for adding <laughs> vocals is um, with music. I just I I don't rule anything out. So if I feel like the song needs vocals, I'm gonna write some lyrics and and sing over it or maybe even have like a vocal feature one day um some of the newer stuff i'm writing i definitely hear room for vocals so we'll see what i end up doing with that um because i guess my approach to guitar is already kind of lyrical like i try to write vocal melodies with guitar so it's like a weird blend of like rhythm and lead um right but yeah, there's usually space for. Sometimes I hear like interweaving melodies that I definitely hear would be really awesome with a human voice or with like lyrics or something. So yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> that's a smart way to do it. To just literally consider vocals an instrument, which a lot of us, you know, sometimes don't. um Sometimes things just feel so necessary. But that's that's a smart way to go about it. To not like put some sort of strict law on yourself where it's like this can't happen or like this would like ruin the integrity of what this band you know something silly like that like it's it's cool to to not limit yourself at all that's a I feel like that's a really smart move so uh, real quick when you were because I know you have obviously like a, a, a big art background too um what when you were young were you doing art the same as much as you were playing piano and violin
1: Yeah, it was actually my primary passion. I wanted to be either an exhibiting artist or – I worked for a while as an art teacher, so I was teaching. I had a brief (laughs) stint as a tattoo artist as well. So I really loved visual art, and um, I was – I still, like, sometimes paint guitars for people and, like, do, like, posters and um, album art stuff. But it's interesting because I feel like – so I started out with – Art, visual art, being my primary passion, and then um, I guess uh, music being kind of like the secondary hobby that I had that supported my primary passion. But somewhere along the line, I feel like maybe the point in which music became my full time job, my passions switched. And these days, I actually I'm like, oh, I should really schedule some time to like do some visual art again because I haven't touched a a paintbrush or a pen in forever. Um, but I think. Both do the same thing. And for me, both have been a really amazing source of, like, escapism and, like, therapy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, I feel like I do – when I write a song guitar, it's kind of the same feeling I get when I'm trying to, like, plan out a composition of, like, a drawing and, and trying to um, – render it and like add all the details like it's really meditative and I feel like I lose myself in the process and time just flies right on by um and at the end of the day I think the goals are the same like I want to draw a a picture I want to paint a um a painting that um tells a story or transports someone somewhere or sets a a tone or a mood and I feel like I want to do the same thing with um the melodies that I play on guitar and what pedals I choose to color the melody with it's all the same journey, I guess.
0: (laughs) Sure. No, that makes, that mean, that makes perfect sense. Uh, How long did it take you to figure out, like, what medium you liked and and what your, I guess, for lack of a better term, style (laughs) was? Like, uh, was, did you, did you find yourself finding one specific thing that you really enjoyed or did you take stabs at, like, all different kinds of, of, uh, of art?
1: Um, You mean with visual art? (laughs) Yeah, with visual art. Specifically? Yeah. 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 I feel like I definitely switched styles a few times. I used to draw in middle school and high school all the time. Like in class, I um, I would rarely pay attention. I would always just be sketching. And mm-hmm. the only reason I got away with it is because my grades were okay. So I feel like my, <laughs> my teachers just were like, all right, it's kind of weird. She just is in her own aloof world. But she's getting good grades, so we're not going to give her shit. Sure. Um, and I guess when I was in the hospital – um that the time I was sick I drew a lot for therapy I think I drew a lot of like depressing stuff like if Evanescence, like and I'm not saying evanescence is depressing but I'm saying like if like their music video aesthetic had like I guess like I drew the equivalent of that so a lot of like dark goth stuff um I drew anime for a while (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like sure. when I was a kid. I even did uh, on Newgrounds, you know, those like flash animation stick figure fight.
0: Okay, things. I think I know Am what I you're talking about. Yeah. Right now?
1: No, I think yeah. I know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Yeah, I drew, I do like, I did like fight sequences in like Flash MX at the time. So I oh. got into <laughs> the world of animation for a bit. Yeah. Um, and then now, whatever my style is, I think I just like stuff that looks like a really super detailed woodblock things. But I also have like so much more appreciation for abstract art. Like I think back in the day when I was more illustrative, I was like, oh, like abstract art is weird. I don't really feel anything from it. But I think these days, like my favorite thing to do is to go to a gallery and just look at a lot of the more gestural abstract works that are huge because they kind of read more like sculptures. And also I feel like they're way more emotive to me than something that's uh figurative. Um And I'm impressed because I feel like I, I can't really like, I'm still trying to be more minimal myself. I'm still trying to like, um, feel more comfortable with abstraction. And now I understand as an adult that abstraction takes a lot of mastery of concepts like composition and color theory, um, to even accomplish something like that. So it's, it's not bullshit. It's not something like my six year old can draw. Like Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot
0: of depth. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, you brought, you brought up the being in the hospital a couple of times now. <clears throat> I'm curious if you've been open or uh, about it or whatever, but, um, how long were you in and, and what was the, what was the actual situation? You mentioned stress, um, being a, a primary thing, but, um, is that something you'd be comfortable talking about? Or if not, we can move on.
1: Yeah, I can, I totally, I've, I've been open with it. Um, okay. I struggled with an eating disorder at the time because I was just under so much stress from school and um just again being subjected to the competitive nature of like the classical world and all of that um and home life was rough so I feel like I didn't really have control over a lot of aspects of my life like it was a lot of people telling me who I should be and a lot of people putting these like um just making me exist within these parameters that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable operating within so I um, and I was a, an intense perfectionist at the time. I was taught that like failure was not an option. So I think I started turning to food and exercise for some sense of control. Um, mm. it's really like an addiction. Like I could talk about this for a long time. Um, mm. and I have, but also I don't want to like trigger anyone who has one or, um, yeah, I guess just in a nutshell, I, um, had anorexia. So I lost like half my body weight in a year, which put a huge strain on my heart. And like I was a hefty kid, like I was, I like played basketball and stuff, but I also like really ate a lot of fast food and I, you know, I was kind of like chubby. Um, I mean, you did. that's what kids
0: do. I mean, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just Tatina's pizza rolls and soccer all day. Uh, So (laughs) I, yeah, I lost half my body weight when I was 16. I remember showing up to school and everyone didn't recognize me. Um, Well, not everyone. Like some people were just like, whoa, what happened to you? Uh, and yeah, it just, um, my heart stopped working and that will happen when you starve yourself because your body starts cannibalizing muscle tissue um, when it runs out of fat. Uh, so yeah, I was in the hospital for uh, in and out for about like, well, I guess over a span of four years in and out. Uh, and it was during that time where I, I really started playing guitar more and drawing more.
0: And how how close was this to your college years? Was was it just before?
1: Yeah, so luckily, right before, um, I I kind of stabilized, like all my vitals stabilized.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the only thing is that's a. a it's kind of scary is like I feel when you're 18, like I got admitted to this uh, treatment more. It's, it's much like an addiction. Like they kind of take you to rehab where you, you learn how to eat normally again and you get your vitals up and then you get discharged. But when you're 18, you, you actually can't be forced to go there anymore. And, um, All right. it's kind of a mixed blessing. Cause on one hand they forced me to go when I was 16 to, to live in the hospital, um, uh, but it and it's good because I was forced to recover. But the downside is it was just really expensive. Like sure. Um yeah. luckily I had insurance at the time, but it still took a big chunk out of like, you know, our, our finances and it was really rough for a while. Um But when you're 18, you can't, you can no longer be forced to go into treatment. But the downside of that is then the chance of recovery is really bleak because nobody's forcing you on a program to get better. You're kind of just left here in devices and it's like an addiction. Like you just fall back into your old patterns of self-harm and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's pretty gnarly.
0: Yeah. it's Well, it sounds like you, you had art and music and stuff to sort of, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, like as therapy to sort of um i guess just just handle these things uh on your own is that is that sort of safe to say
1: yeah the beautiful thing about like visual arts and music is it took my focus away from how i looked my appearance and it put my sense of power and my sense of self into what i could create with my hands and what i could mm-hmm. write so i feel like these days of course, for me, my eating disorder was never a vanity thing. It was never about, like, oh, I just want to, like, look a certain way. Of course, that was part of it,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I think most of it was about the, the wanting to, di- like, the feeling of wanting to disappear and occupy as little space as possible because you feel powerless, yeah. and also um, the feeling of wanting to control something in your life that other people can't control. So um, it's all about numbers and and control at the end of the day um but for me when I started focusing more on like writing music and and art I started to shift I guess those controlling tendencies into like maybe music or art but also like um it was a really good way for me to get out a lot of the negative emotions that I wasn't able to really place anywhere and just put them into this abstract vessel um or sometimes not even abstract maybe I even wrote lyrics about it
0: um right yeah, firstly, thank you for sharing that. That was uh as, you know, that's 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 quite a struggle. So um congratulations on on, you know, working through it um and finding what works best for you. I'm curious though when you were when you were after you graduated um with with uh, the art with a bachelor I know so you got a bachelor in fine arts, did you ever do any like art showings? Like uh did you ever have like a like a big opening or anything like that?
1: You know what? I really wanted to, but I really kind of felt like an outcast in at the UCLA art department. Um, I feel like they have this like specific aesthetic that they're looking for. It's like, um, fine, fine art. And I was always more into like illustration. And I, I feel like there was like this negative connotation that came with wanting to be more part of the commercial art world. Um, I'm not really sure why, but at the time I was more interested in how can I make a living off of like art? How can I Mm -hmm. do more commercial stuff? So I feel like I never really felt necessarily welcome to have a showing there just because it also is kind of a cool kids clique sometimes. And I feel like only certain people got selected for that. But, (laughs) um, you know, I I am appreciative of all the um, resources that I had access to. I actually wish I – um, utilize them more but
0: yeah it's certainly never too late it's certainly you know, i mean you could you could certainly still have that happen and also i just you know i think it's it's a little funny to to it's like you're an artist of course you're an art you're supposed to be an outcast you know like i, I think <laughs> i think the people that the artists that feel like they're a part of a cool kids club are, you know uh i'm comfortable calling them posers i think you're <laughs> i think you're in the i think you're in the right headspace
1: yeah sometimes it it felt like they they wanted to like just have parties more than like they wanted to actually like work on art. But um, no thanks. Yeah, one day, one day I will have a showing in my garage.
0: <laughs> there you go. Hey, wherever you know. Um, so you put out. I saw you put out the. Now if I'm if I'm going off um, my uh, you know poor attempt at at research by using uh sites like discogs and things like that it looks like was the first music that you ever put out into the world um solo and then a year later was the first covet ep um is that or was was uh was there like a band release that was first
1: yeah um there's so it's funny i have an album of songs i wrote before that solo record that i dropped um uh, acoustics ep1 but i never released it like i recorded it and i have all the files and i have like some cds of it but i just never want to put that out in the world it's kind of fun like keeping a release captive and maybe mm-hmm. one day when i when i die or something like yeah. someone will find it <laughs> <laughs> but for now, I just I'm mortified thinking about putting. There's like a track where I rap. That's it's not okay. Oh hell like, yeah! Nobody should ever. <laughs> nobody should ever be subjected to that. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that r- record. Um, and then I did end up recording stuff with that band I I, I had when I was in UCLA called Astrachanism. We had Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, yes, and then it was the acoustic record that's um, available online and then yeah first covet diy garage recording (laughs) i was gonna ask
0: was uh what was your first experience in a recording studio because it sounds like you did a lot of home recording stuff but like what was your uh what project or what was it that brought you into like a recording studio the first time
1: definitely definitely covet it was our first experience um at mike watt's studio in port jefferson voodoo studios oh wow um we flew out uh, to record Currents. That was our first record. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. We're so green. I was just talking about this the other day with uh, my bandmates, but it's funny because we flew out with like no pedals at all. We're just like, we're just going to use what's at the studio. And yeah. we, sh- of course, you know, it was just a funny experience having to retroactively go and like add texture to the recordings with whatever pedals they had laying around at the studio but now this time we're like okay we have like a very specific sound rafter like I know how to craft my tones with like my amp and all the pedals and stuff now so and the last time we went in to record at the same place we just brought our own shit um but yeah you know it's a learning experience (laughs)
0: how what uh how did you feel being in a studio that first time cuz you know uh talking to you know having musician friends and all that sort of stuff like i i feel like it's similar to touring there's the people that thrive in the studio environment you mentioned earlier that writing in the studio is is not your favorite thing i agree with you it's my it's my actual nightmare um but <laughs> but uh but yeah like o- overall how do you enjoy the studio experience and and um aside from the pedal Mishap. What uh, was there? Any other takeaways that you remember from that that you either really enjoyed or 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 stressed you out beyond belief?
1: So, I think I learned that sometimes it's okay to like stand my ground, not to really rag on um, people's in other people's input, but you know nobody really knows what you're chasing in your head uh, other than yourself. So. So I feel like a lot of studio experiences. Certainly this wasn't our experience, but I've heard from like friends who went to other studios that a lot of people get pretty heated over their artistic decisions. And I get it. You're, it's like your baby, you're putting it on the world. You your blood, sweat, and tears went into this thing. So you want it to sound exactly the way that you imagined it. And you know, I've heard of people getting into like fist fights over <laughs> like a snare cone sure. or something. Um <laughs> yeah so I feel like i I experienced a little bit of that, like I maybe didn't stand behind my decisions as much because I didn't feel like confident or worthy. um you know, I sometimes envy people who are like more assertive about that kind of stuff because at the time I was just in there to learn, I felt so green. I was like, all right, I'll just like accept everything I'm being told um and 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 accept it as like the truth, but um. I think now, like last time I went to the studio, I definitely stood my ground a bit more when I wanted something and I wasn't afraid to maybe argue a little more. It's not to yeah. say that like I didn't like, like what their input was, but for me, it was more like, no, like I wrote these songs and I um, know how to set this tone up at home and this is the exact sound that I want for this section, so I'm going to stick by it. Yeah. Um, and this is how I want to sit in the mix. And I know you're not used to doing that, but I'm. this is how I like it. So just being a little more right. assertive.
0: <laughs> sure sure you mentioned you flew to that where so you flew from california to where where was that studio where's that studio at
1: port jefferson long island it's a for us us frail californians it was we always go there (laughs) during the winter where it's like we're snowed in it's it's just everything's iced over um
0: so yeah it's always kind of like like a bleak experience and how long how long were you in the studio that first time
1: the first time, I think, like, two weeks. How was so, okay, that for you? Because,
0: I mean, that's that feels like a really exciting experience. And that was a record that came out on Triple Crown, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, no, this was one where we did... I think we licensed it to them. Well, I guess technicalities don't matter. But, yeah, okay. it was on Triple Crown.
0: Just in general, like, the idea of, like, oh, my God, we're flying across country to record an album in a studio. You know, like, that's that's just an exciting feeling altogether, right? Yeah, I was right? really
1: excited, for sure i was like yo real recordings like we get to put our sound in the hands of professionals with the trained ear um i liked i i mean it was it was a thrill for sure and we had a lot of fun just it was kind of like a moment where we're like wow we're a
0: real (laughs) man right And, (laughs) and had you traveled much like had the band toured by that point
1: yeah we'd done we'd done a few tours before just Um, I think maybe a a full U.S. one. Uh, I don't think at the time we did anything internationally. I had, like, solo, but not as a band. Um, Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, no, we did a DIY tour in the U.K., which was a disaster, but a hilarious disaster (laughs) that I'll (laughs) cherish and remember forever. I love hilarious disasters where, at the time, we are stressed out, but, like... The best stories swelled out.
0: Yeah, the best stories. No one wants. Yeah. No one wants to hear stories from the comfortable tour. It's the stories where you're having everything fall apart. That's those are the good ones for
1: sure. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and character building. It's
0: <laughs> yeah. In, in the same way, I've always I've said a few times on the show, like I don't trust someone whose first touring experience is in a bus. I also don't trust someone whose first overseas experience. It goes great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: like what on earth no, it has you have to be hazed,
0: <laughs> yes, by life, one hundred percent, one hundred percent
1: to appreciate what you have
0: later, <laughs> yes, absolutely, um yeah, do you, uh i mean I know we talked a little bit about uh the your first you know your first touring experience and things like that a little bit early on in the show, but like um, what was that first tour for you was it was it like a west coast or did, um was it a, a a little bit of a longer one
1: it was a short one um as a band we were lucky enough to be invited to tour with this band called chon um oh and yeah we did a couple sure. of just west coast tours and that was amazing for us because at the time we didn't even have a record out and we'll always feel really indebted and appreciative to the folks at chon for having faith in us even though we didn't have a a record at necessarily, I'm. I want to say that was our first tour, but I also think that we maybe we did a tour before that. It was a full U.S. tour with a band called Tides of Man, mm-hmm. um, and we are also indebted and very grateful to them because we also didn't have a record at the time, and they just decided to take us on this full U.S. Um, adventure, and that was that was really fun for us. Like in my heart, that's always going to be one of my favorite tours. Um, just because it was so uh magical. It's like the first time. Uh even it was, all of us caught the bird flu on that tour and oh, no. were deathly ill.
0: Oh no. Again, hey, stories, right? Um Yeah, right. <laughs> t- uh was that in like um DIY venues or were that or were those in like um, you know, not to not to put down a DIY DIY venue, but like I guess legitimate venue. Um were they like y- you know? uh actual uh you know places to play or are they like more vet hall type spaces so
1: definitely we played we did a we did kind of like a blend of them because i remember on the same tour we'd play um like a legit venue but maybe on some of the routing shows we did play a veteran hall um So, yeah, I, that Chon tour, it was all legit venues just because they were a legit band. They're still a legit band. But yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they they brought us on. Um, so we got just shocked by just how many people turned up. Um, I think like the Observatory was one of those shows. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But the, the Tides of Man one, um, we played like a Nile Theater in Phoenix. Arizona. I don't know if you've yeah. ever been there oh a, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> sure like have that that one was a bad show and we had some venues be relocated last minute which is my nightmare <laughs> but oh yeah uh yeah but we also played south by southwest on that tour
0: so how was that experience for you because that that thing is uh, man even if it even just uh having to figure out how to load your gear during clo- with closed off streets is uh that's enough to to make you lose your mind completely. How how was it? for That's you? what
1: I mean. Like I just <laughs> I, I don't want to sound ungrateful by any oh, means. Oh
0: no! Like to say, there's not a. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. There's not a single band that has played South by Southwest that wouldn't uh, feel this pain that we're about to discuss of of, <laughs> of having to you know because it's what it's the thing. It's like you know the entire city is profiting off of. Uh, you know this big festival which is great and we're all happy to be there happy to do it but when you close off every single street and then you have police yelling at you about how you can't turn in certain places just to unload your gear to play the show it's like it it takes a lot out of you yeah so go ahead yeah
1: no it's just like i i just feel like i if as much as i feel very I'm blessed to have played it i wouldn't complain if i didn't have to play it again you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's cool but yeah. it was cool it's cool to say that you did it and it, i think like is it really for people who like love music because i feel like every i don't know like it's just it's chaos like yeah oh Austin, it's good. Cha-
0: yeah <laughs> We had years where we were going full ignorant, where we tried to play as many, like there was days where we played stick shows on one day. We were just like, oh my gosh. we were just hopping on everything and just like being dumb with our friends. But just, it was such, such just punishment on ourselves, just having to figure out how to coordinate getting to and from with all of our gear and, and, and all those sorts of things. But, and then it's funny because then, yeah, as you're talking, like with the industry aspect of it. You know, it's like where people are going to quote unquote like be discovered or make it, but then you're looking at all the industry yeah. people who are like so shit faced drunk at like eleven a.m. that you're like, no one cares about anything here. Yeah,
1: they're there for the tacos <laughs> and mimosas. Like they're not yep. there to like discover the next yeah Fleetwood Mac or something. <laughs> like, yeah, I know? feel like
0: it's just it's just the getaway for industry people to just go get shit faced with all their industry friends for for a few days. Meanwhile, bands are like yelling at one another about borrowing a base a base cab while having to load shit up four flights of stairs <laughs>
1: like, yes oh it's like physically draining and i remember <laughs> we illegally parked like we couldn't find parking yeah. We were like you know what screw this like we just left one of our friends by the van and we just illegally parked somewhere we're like if anyone gives you shit like just move the van so right we ended up and loading was just like you have 15 minutes to get all your gear into this like cramped space or just like ah it's like stressed
0: and heaven forbid you have a trailer and you're trying to just like parallel park between like a nine nine deep triple parked like oh yeah oh now i i now I have PTSD all of a sudden. I saw that you have a signature guitar with Ibanez. I've wanted to talk about that for briefly. I mean, I I can only imagine. I mean, you mentioned earlier on that uh, your first electric guitar that you ever played was your ex's, which was an Ibanez, and now years later you have a signature guitar. I mean, speak on that for a second. How how uh how was that experience working with them on coming up with that?
1: Uh it was it was actually amazing. Like I I still feel shocked that i have a signature guitar uh because i feel like really i don't know if i'll ever feel like i deserve one. Oh
0: come um, on but
1: also that's like a weird <laughs> thing to say like i deserve a signature sure. guitar. like that's yeah. weird but like yeah it's like kind of um it really motivates me when i when i see that people are actually also buying it i'm like wow like i really want to just pour even more love into my craft and feel like i earned it you know so yeah. um yeah. That whole process was interesting. I actually, um, not, not as a flex, but like I got offered a signature guitar, guitar before, but I declined it. Cause I told them I wasn't ready. I was like, listen, like, let me put in some more work. Uh, I feel like I have a lot more growing to do and then like hit me up in a year or, you know, like yeah. whenever it's appropriate for you guys. So I, um, I feel like that was a wise move because I certainly grew a lot more that year. And I feel like I even settled more into myself and, and knowing what I want out of um, a signature instrument. So I did a lot of research and, and um, learning and playing and um, yeah, the YY10 uh, slime green sparkle Talman is what I ended up doing with Ivanez. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. Uh, definitely may or may not be working on another color in a configuration but yeah yeah, i it's been it's been wild
0: (laughs) oh that's awesome well congratulations what a cool thing to see it's it's uh yeah it's it it also you know um with all the guitars i've seen you playing and all the videos and stuff like that it, it feels very you you know it's not it there's certain times you can see a signature guitar from somebody where you're like oh i don't think that person had any say i think that they probably just signed off on letting this company do it but then you see certain peoples where you're like oh i can tell that they had Time, they put their time and energy into making that what they wanted it to be.
1: Yeah. Um, Ibanez is, is such a lovely company to work with. I feel like my uh, artist rep, Mike, is just so so knowledgeable, but also just so easygoing. So um, collaborating with him on the specs and everything was was really fun. And um, I learned a lot in the process as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Super cool. Well, hey, um, the last question i like to ask everybody uh, before we wrap up is... Um, do you remember the first time where you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards?
1: You know, I was thinking about this, and I think it's when I released my acoustic record um and that was an entirely d i y release like I recorded it with my friends from this band Wander. I ended up going through some like cd printing company online and i like ordered a bunch myself and then i put them on Bandcamp myself and made the announcement uh i remember um the night that i finished recording i just pulled an onliner doing the album art too so i drew this picture of like this girl in this sea cave being um surrounded by doves and that was for some reason what i really wanted the cover to be uh at the time and i i drew it all and then i even went and i got this like um uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, li- lin- linogra- linography. Uh, kit where okay. I I carved into this like rubber block, this like wood print, and then with every order, I I didn't know how many people were gonna order this album, so I was like, I'm gonna just um every order will come with like this custom like wood like a uh, linograph of like this bird that I'm just gonna. Um, put on some raw, unstretched canvas and I'm just gonna cut it out and like put it in the order. And I remember uh buying all this stuff to do it, and then I put it on Van Camp and then just that week I just every day I was packing orders and I was blown away looking at the addresses too, because there are people all over the world. Like I remember I packed a cassette tape for this guy in Israel, and I was just like, how do these people even like know? about this is like amazing just seeing how people all over the world want to support some rando girl you know so for me it's just really mind-blowing and i felt amazed that somehow music could have this reach so at that moment i felt pretty successful because i put out my own release and i think it at least paid for itself
0: Of course, yeah, no, that's such a cool feeling. No matter what, I mean, I don't think that ever goes away either. You know, when you when even if you're just like sending out shirts or you're sending out whatever, what have you, like whenever you're like, oh my god, there's like an address in Russia. Oh my god, there's an, you know, like how did, how did these people find it? Like it's 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 the magic of music, as as silly as that might sound.
1: We have this joke every time we see an Icelandic address, we're like, oh, Bjork ordered a record.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i want to go there so bad that's like one of the 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 few places that are on our list that that you know there's been a tough, uh there's been, <laughs> there's been a couple times in our band's career where we, we try to push one of our agents to like get us to go somewhere and then they try and then you know then the the whoever the, whoever the promoter is will like show us some sort of analytics about like how many listeners in their country our band actually has and it's like yeah we can't justify bringing you here <laughs> like, it's like ah oh, <laughs> god damn it um, i want to
1: go right there i feel like there's something in the water just so much good music comes out of that place
0: um <sighs> I mean, so between great and great yeah
1: yeah olifar arnold's uh johan johansson there's this yeah. band there called agent fresco that's amazing um so yeah one on my bucket list for sure
0: <laughs> same we had a layover there once and even the airport i was <gasps> blown away by it had like it had like the most like gorgeous uh wood like um like wood floors i was like oh my god like everything about this place is already beautiful and i'm just in the damn airport um yeah I, I, man real... even
1: just hearing hearing that makes me excited i'm like oh, i wish i could be at the iceland airport
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I was actually curious though real quick quick, with that first so that first release you were just talking about is that the one that eventually had a couple labels do like cassettes of it and things like that because I saw um, one or at least one of those early releases had like there's a label funeral sounds and then uh, more than me and also Little League and like I saw that like uh i think little league is like an i like a ireland Irish. label and then yeah and then like uh more than me was like out of nashville I, i'm was it because of the internet and just those like facebook groups and things like that that these labels found you and were interested in working with you
1: yeah it was just like the diy community online yeah <laughs> um i had done art for some of the other bands on that label so they were just like oh we want to do a couple of cassettes
0: um yeah it's was, it was crazy. Okay. So, uh, you know, um, I, I, I emailed you earlier this, earlier this morning being like, Hey, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to play something as an outro, um, that would be awesome. And, um, you agreed to do it. So I'm excited to to have this. So firstly, I want to say thank you so much for your time. Um, this is an awesome conversation. Uh, we've never met, uh, in person as far as I know, but we have a mutual friend in Atiba who was one of my first guests, uh, On this show, and um, and uh, you know, I I I noticed your friendship just via his, his uh, social media, which is actually how I came across like watching you play and everything like that, and was so blown away by it. Um, so thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I'm excited to to have this happen.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, and uh, you know, shout out Atiba, he rules.
0: (laughs) Totally, absolutely, absolutely. Um. All right. uh, So, yeah, you're going to play for us. Is this anything in particular that's been out or you're just going to you're just going to just let it fly?
1: I'm I'll play our song Parachute on acoustic.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks again for for coming on the show. Yeah, here we go. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you. And I'll see you again next week.